You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome back to A Bigger Life. A few episodes ago, I mentioned that I first started learning to pray the Psalms back to God when I was a freshman in college, and I actually mentioned recently in a sermon that that was one of the things that changed my life, and I did it in the context of emotional pain. I was still working through the emotional pain of my high school girlfriend breaking up with me that we dated for a year. You know how it is when you're a freshman in college and you're a senior in high school that Seems like everything around revolves around that relationship, and I just not—I wasn't sure where to go, uh, other than trying to go back into that relationship. That was not God's will for me. I explained that in a sermon, why that was not God's will for me, and how it all worked out. But uh, in that emotional pain, I channeled channeled it toward praying and really trying to seek God more deeply, more emotionally in my life. And learning how to pray the Psalms was a huge part of of that for me. And Psalm 40 was the one where I first started, I don't know what it was, I was just reading through the Psalms and for whatever reason when I was reading Psalm 40, I just started praying it and started making it my prayer. And that was kind of the beginning of all that for me. And there's, I look back now at Psalm 40 and there are, there are phrases in it that I remember really resonating with me uh, as a freshman in college and they still resonate with me. They still are, are things that are hitting my emotions of wanting to pray these things and trust God for these things and to emotionally connect with God around these words and around these phrases. And one of the biggest things that helped me when I learned to pray the Psalms and just learned to pray scripture back to God was just developing a vocabulary of prayer. So that now often when I sit in the dark, I don't have to get a Bible out. I have this vocabulary of prayer that I've developed over the years of praying the Psalms and praying scripture back to God. I just have the vocabulary in my head that I use. And I think Psalm 40 is a good psalm for that. It's got a lot of good phrases that are good for just developing a vocabulary of prayer. So, you know, as I've said, the show notes have the scripture in them. So you can, if you want to swipe left or whatever, however you get to the show notes in your podcast, read along or whatever, or just listen. So I'm just going to start reading this psalm. I'm not going to read every verse because it's it's too long for that. But I'm going to read the verses that most resonate with me as verses that I want to pray. And by the way, I want to say that, that I said also to Diego, the audio engineer, I said, you know, I don't, whenever I pray a psalm back to God, I don't. I don't, not every verse resonates with me that I pray. I just pray the verses that resonate with me. I'm not trying to study this psalm and write an exposition on it, an exegetical paper on it, and make sure I hit every verse. I'm not trying to do anything like that when I pray the scripture back to God. I'm just trying to find phrases that resonate with where I am and what I want to pray. So if a psalm doesn't resonate with me, I move on. If a verse doesn't resonate with me, I move on. This is not a Bible study time. This is a time for me to pray scripture back to God. And I'm at this point, there's certain scriptures that resonate with me more than others. And so those are the verses that I pray and you should feel the freedom to do the same. Verse one says, I waited patiently for the Lord, for Yahweh, for the I am. And I think we should notice that that is the term most often used in the Psalms 
for God is the I am. And we just want to stop and take mental notice every time because it's, it's, it's the name of God that gives us a picture of God that should help us be more motivated to make God our God, to seek God, to trust in God. I waited patiently for the I am, for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I remember when I read those verses as a freshman in college, and they still resonate with me on this level, that I just, I, I want to be the kind of person I want people to put their trust in the I am because they see me living out the new song he has put in my mouth. I want to be the kind of person who's really living out this new song of deliverance, this new song that understands that in the good news, in the gospel, God has delivered my soul. He has drawn me up from the pit of destruction. This death that my life was on a collision course and that I had no hope, he reached into my heart and he reached into my soul and he gave me the knowledge of his gospel and he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog of just living for self, living to please others, always trying to find some sort of security in this world and joy in the things of this world, all of which are uncertain, all of which we eventually lose, and then there comes death. He drew me up from that narrative, changed my narrative of my life completely, and set my feet upon a rock that's secure. And he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to my God, a song of praise to the I am, a narrative now that defines my life that is not death, but life, that is not losing things, but having a forever abundance in the narrative of God for my life. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord because they see me living out this new song. That's what I, that's what I want to be true for my life. I don't always succeed for sure. I want that to be my prayer. I want that to be what, what my life is about. So verse 4 says, Blessed is the one who makes Yahweh, the I am, his trust, who does not turn to the proud, all the things in our culture that we would turn to for our security or for our joy or for our confidence. We turn to trying to be cool or trying to have the things that define worldly success or having popularity with a group that we want to be accepted by or the pleasures that people say we have to have in order to have life. I think that's what I think of when it says, I, who does not turn to the proud or to those who go astray after a lie. I don't want to go astray after a lie. I don't want to turn to the proud for my trust. I want to make the I am, the one who is the source of all that exists, the one who is the giver of all life, the one who is infinite and forever. He's the one I want to make my trust. So verse 5 says, You, to the I am, you have multiplied, O Lord, my God. Yahweh, my God, the I am, my God. You have multiplied your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them. 
yet they are more than can be told. All of God's thoughts toward me, toward you, are because he is the I am, he is infinite. They are 100% infinite thoughts of love toward you. Infinite thoughts of having a plan for your life, a reason why he wanted you to exist in his universe. He says, if I could talk about them, but they're more than I can possibly understand. They're more than can possibly be told. Your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. Who can compare with you? They're multiplied beyond my understanding, O Lord, my God. What's fascinating, here's what's fascinating, is that in this psalm then, the next verses that he says, here's what he says, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, this is not going to make sense until I say what I'm going to say after this. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. What's interesting about this is those verses I just read, verses 6 through 8, they're quoted in the New Testament. In Hebrews 10, 5 through 10, the author of Hebrews says these verses are about Christ, always have been about Christ. I wonder if these are verses that, like it says in Luke 24, that Jesus, after his resurrection, spent time with his disciples showing them how all of the Old Testament scriptures were about him. I wonder if this is one of those verses that Jesus went back to and showed his disciples and that that oral tradition was passed down and that's what the author of Hebrews is talking about. It's interesting because this is a psalm of David and David was a prototype of Jesus, although living, living 10, you know, 10 centuries before Jesus. He lived a thousand years before Christ. God says that David would be the one on whose throne there would be a ruler that would be forever. He says this in 2 Samuel 7, this promise that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. And this is why people in the New Testament called Jesus the son of David. And so often David in the Psalms is sort of taking on the persona of the Messiah when he writes. And I think he does so in the Holy Spirit because there really is nobody that can say this except Jesus in verse 7. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book, in the scriptures, it is written of me. So here I am. I'm the fulfillment of the scriptures. Jesus is the only one who ever lived that could ever say that. I am the fulfillment of the scriptures, and what makes me different is I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. And it, in Hebrews, it says that, you know, in verse 6, in sacrifice and offering you have not delighted. And in Hebrews, it talks about in, verse, in chapter 10, verse 10, when it, after it quotes this, it says, and, and by his sacrifice, he has made perfect once for all all those that he has sanctified. In other words, those, the good news of deliverance that drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog and made my footsteps secure and put a new song of deliverance in my mouth is that God has become human. The scroll was about him all along. This Psalm is about him. All of scripture is about him. He came to do the perfect will of God and he came to put the law of God within my own heart through his becoming the righteousness of God for me and taking the sin upon himself that would otherwise bring a narrative of destruction and death for me. He took upon himself 
so that I can be brought into a new song. I can be brought into a new story. And so verse four, blessed is the one who makes the Lord his trust. Again, I can, I can make the Lord my trust. I don't have to turn to the proud. I don't have to turn to those who go astray after a lie. I can trust in the one whose thoughts toward me are multiplied beyond understanding, whose thoughts toward me and plans for me are infinite. I can trust in him. So the very next verse after it says, I, you know, the verses I just read about the coming Messiah, behold, I have come in the scroll is written of me. Verse nine says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. This is the good news. This is the gospel of deliverance. God has come in the person of Jesus. God has come, and so I no longer have to have a narrative of destruction, a narrative of a miry bog. I can be brought out and have my footsteps secure in a whole new deliverance. Verse 10, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Verse 11, as for me, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. All of this is because of Christ. And God was merciful and faithful and full of steadfast love and deliverance by becoming Jesus for me. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. This is my hope. This is my song of deliverance. This is the new song he has put in my mouth, that his mercy is not restrained. His steadfast love and his faithfulness will ever, forever preserve me, give me life. And the next verse, verse 12, David says this, for evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. You ever feel that way? These are phrases, I think, that have become my vocabulary. Unfortunately, they become all too often my experience. The experience of David here, he's expressing his very real evils beyond number encompass me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I cannot even see. They're more numerous than the hairs of my head and my heart fails me. Again, I love the fact that the Holy Spirit has put this in Scripture for me to pray. That there would come times when I, my experience is this, that I'm just beyond number. Evils have encompassed me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I cannot even see. They're more numerous than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails me. But God has put a new song in my heart. He won't restrain his mercy from me. He won't restrain his steadfast love and faithfulness. They will ever preserve me. He has given me good news of deliverance. And that is the one has come that the scroll is about. The one, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me, Jesus says. This is his song of deliverance. This is why I don't have to have a narrative. He drew me out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord because blessed, blessed is the one who makes the Lord his trust, does not turn to the proud, and does not go astray after a lie.
You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous thoughts and your wondrous deeds toward me. Who can compare with you? They're more numerous than I can say. Let me lead you in a time of just praying through this psalm. We're not going to be able to do a very long job. Um, A lot of times I like to pray a long time through some of these things because there's plenty to pray about, and I just... I've gotten to where I enjoy doing that. It's a lot of times it's hard to pray a long time because you don't know what to pray. But when you do these kinds of psalms, you got plenty of stuff and grab a cup of coffee, look out your window, or sit on your porch or whatever. Just get in a pensive place where you like to think and talk to God and draw near to Him. But we won't have time to do a, a, a real long time. But let's hit the highlights, so to speak, the ones that resonate at least with me, and let's pray those now. Let me lead you in a time of prayer. Yahweh, the I am, I give thanks to you because you have delivered me. You drew me up from the pit of destruction. My life was on a destructive path that would only lead to death, a selfish path, a path of living for self and then dying only in a narrative of self. But you drew me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry bog, out of the miry clay, out of the pit of slime. And you drew me up and set me on a rock and you made my steps secure, 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 forever secure. And you put a new song of deliverance in my mouth, a song of praise to my God in my mouth, a song of praise to the I am, And I want others to see me live out that deliverance, that new song. I want to faithfully live it out so that they too want to live in trust in you. And I know that I am blessed. And the way Jesus said that word blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to be blessed in that kind of way forever in your kingdom, the new heaven, the new earth. Blessed is the one who makes Yahweh, makes the I am, makes the Lord his trust. I want to make you my trust, my trust for security. The one I trust in for my joy. You're my joy. You're my security. You pull me out of the pit of destruction and make my steps my feet secure. I trust in you as my confidence. You're the one that makes me confident because I now have a life that is in the light and worth living is on a forever narrative in your kingdom. I don't want to turn to the proud. I don't want to try to be cool I don't want to try to win the approval of people in the crowd. I want to trust in you, the God who created this entire universe, who gives everyone life, and everyone will have to stand before to give an account for their life. You're the one I want to trust in. I don't want to turn to the proud. That's a stupid path that leads to nothing. It's a path that is led astray after a lie, it says here, who those who go astray after a lie. I don't want to go astray after a lie. 
I want to make you my trust, you my security, you my joy, you my confidence. Because your thoughts toward me, O Lord my God, are infinite. You are 100% focused on me without being any less focused anywhere else because you are infinite. You are the I am. You are forever infinite. You are forever God. And your thoughts toward me are more numerous than I can tell and more numerous more numerous than I can ever understand. But I trust that your will for me is your best, is the best of the I am because your thoughts toward me. Who can compare with you? You're my trust because Jesus has come. The scroll was written about him all along and he came and he did your will. And he has been the sacrifice now so that I can come and do your will. So that you can take me out of the destructive, miry, slimy pit and put me into a better story, a better narrative where you are my trust and you are my Lord and you are my God and you are my life. You are the one who put glad news of deliverance in my heart. You have delivered me. Your deliverance in my heart, your faithfulness, your salvation is now my narrative. Your faithfulness is my trust. Your salvation is my trust. Your salvation is my joy. Your salvation is my security. Your salvation is my confidence. Your faithfulness is my confidence. Your deliverance is my confidence. Your steadfast love for me is my confidence, my hope, my security, my joy, your faithfulness toward me. I can't even begin to understand it. Your thoughts toward me of faithfulness are more numerous than can be counted, more numerous than can ever be understood or proclaimed. Your faithfulness, because you are the I am, is infinite. Your steadfast love for me, because you are the I am, is infinite. Your salvation is forever. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy. Imagine that, the God who is the I am, who created this universe, who is infinite in mercy, will not restrain his mercy toward me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Those words are repeated all throughout this psalm. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness, that is my trust. I trust in you. That is my confidence. My confidence is in you. That is my joy. My joy is in you. That is my security. My security is in you because your steadfast love, your mercy, and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Forever preserve me. And if I'm honest, God, with you, you have always known, and you know more than I could possibly know, the evils beyond number that have encompassed me. My iniquities, my transgressing against your steadfast love, my rejection of your faithfulness that preserves me, my scoffing at your mercy and instead turning to the proud and going astray after a lie over and over and over. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I can't even see. They outnumber the hairs of my head. They always cause my heart to fail me. My heart doesn't rejoice 
when my iniquities outnumber the hairs of my head, when they overtake me and I cannot even see, my heart fails me. It doesn't rejoice. It becomes heavily burdened and joyless. Even in laughter, I am joyless because I'm not walking in the steadfast love and faithfulness and mercy and deliverance of the one who created this universe whose thoughts toward me cannot even be counted. Jesus said that my heavenly father numbers the hairs of my head in Matthew 10. And yet, when I reject your love, my iniquities are more than the hairs of my head. And yet you still will not restrain your mercy. You still will not restrain your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Your deliverance, your salvation. You have drawn me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog of my transgressions, the miry bog of the deception that overtakes my life and encompasses me so that I can't even see. And still you set me on a rock and you make my steps secure and you put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise and rejoicing in my God. Blessed is the one who makes Yahweh, the I am, his trust. And I do that now, O Lord. I make you my trust, your salvation my trust, your steadfast love my trust, your mercy my trust, your faithfulness my trust, your deliverance my trust. This last verse, you are my help and my deliverer, O my God. This is my prayer to you. You are my help. You are my deliverer. You are my God. I seek you first. I trust you first. I live for you. My hope is in you. My confidence is in you. My trust is in you. You are my security and my joy. In Jesus' name, the one whose the scroll of the book was written of him who came to do your will, to be my righteousness, to take my sin upon himself. In Jesus' name I pray all these things. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.